Will you put your hands together for him as he comes? Got a great message to share with you this morning. Awesome. Thank you, Liz. And good morning, church. I'm so excited to be with you here at the city campus. Thank you. Uh, who's feeling blessed to be in church today? Yeah? I'm feeling blessed to be here. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm blessed to be sitting next to you today. Now turn to your second favorite neighbor and say, and you're blessed to be sitting next to me. Awesome. As uh, Pastor Liz mentioned, my wife Danny and I, we've been involved in the leadership at Elamin Manurewa for the last five years, and we've been involved in many different areas from young adults to kids to online social media, uh, service planning, all sorts of things. And I think the only area we haven't done is the seniors group, so, but you know, there's always, there's always hope for that. There's always time. Um, as, as she mentioned, we're in the process of launching the West Campus, which is really exciting. So we're looking to do the relaunch for that in February. It's, uh, it's an exciting time, lots of stuff happening, and, and you'll, I'm sure you'll see more about that in the coming weeks. But we're, we're excited, and, and I feel blessed to be here. You know, City Campus, you guys are our neighboring campus. And so we know we're going to have a great relationship going forward, and, and we just feel incredibly blessed to have Pastor Mike and Pastor Liz Griffiths as our neighboring uh, pastors as well. And, you know, these guys, I just love their wisdom, their heart, their generosity. They're just so genuine. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a big believer in giving honor where honor is due. So church, can we put our hands together for your incredible pastors? You guys really are legends. They're really legends. All right, well, before we get into the Word today, let's just take a moment to commit this time to God in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your presence here this morning. God, we thank you that through you all things are possible. And God, I thank you for the opportunity to share your Word today, and I pray that as I'm speaking, that it would not be my words coming out, but it would be your words, Lord. I pray that your Spirit would be ministering to the hearts of everyone here, and that everyone will leave having received something personal from you, in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen and amen. Well, as uh, Pastor Liz mentioned, before I was a pastor, I had a very different job. And, and some of you will know from the last time I was here, but I used to be a policeman. Okay, so don't hold that against me. But I, I used to be a cop, and I remember that when I was training to become a cop, I had to pass a running test. I had to run 2.4 Ks in under 12 minutes. And so leading up to this running test, I began to train. Every night I'd go for a run and each night I'd be trying to beat my time from the previous night. And so it didn't take long before I was able to run that 2.4 Ks under the required time. But leading up to that testing day, I kept training and training to try and get a faster time. Eventually that testing day came along and with about 30 other applicants, I lined up on the start line of that track. Now, I knew that this was a test and not a race, right? And I knew from my training the pace I had to set for myself in order to finish under time without wasting any energy. I wouldn't get any extra points for how far under the time I got or for what position I finished in. So my plan was just to run at that safe pace I knew I could run to finish under time. But then that starting gun went off and suddenly something switched on the inside of me and it was no longer just about finishing the race, finishing the test well, it was about finishing first, right? Anyone can identify with that? We've all been there. And so I picked up my pace so that I was running out the front of the group and uh, about halfway through, I began to feel it. 
I began to get tired. See, I knew I was running at a faster pace than what I'd ever practiced before. And my legs were aching. You know that feeling when you feel like you just want to vomit? Like, I felt terrible. And in my mind, all I was thinking was, Andy, just slow down. All you have to do is finish under the time. But then, somebody had the audacity to try and overtake me, right? And so suddenly that stupid thought of slowing down was gone from my brain, and I picked up the pace again, so I was once again out the front. Long story short, I, I finished that 2.4 Ks in nine minutes, and I was the second person to finish. But you see, even though this was a test and not a race, I pushed myself to finish first. Even though it made absolutely no difference to me passing the test, I pushed myself harder than I've ever run before to try and finish first. Why? Because deep down in every human being, we have this desire for greatness, this desire to be great at something. And in that moment, it was my desire to be the greatest runner on the track. You see, the truth is no one ever says, oh, I just want to be average, right? No one ever says, I just want to have an average life with average friends and an average job and an average family. No, we all want to have a great life and have a great job and great friends and a great family, right? And I can prove it to you. See, when you go to a restaurant, you don't pick up the menu and then ask the waiter, excuse me, what's your most average meal on the menu, right? No, you don't do that. You ask, what's the most popular meal on the menu? What's your best dish? If you're going to see a movie, you wouldn't ask your friends, what's the most average movie playing right now? No, you'd be asking, what's the best movie playing at the moment in the theater? If you're planning a holiday, you wouldn't ask the travel agent, where can I go to have the most average experience? No, you'd be asking, where can I go to have the greatest experience? You know, my wife, I love my wife. My wife, when she goes shopping, and all the guys just, you know, you feel my pain. But when she goes shopping, she never asks the sales assistant, what's the most average pair of shoes I can get for this amount of money? No, she asks, what's the best pair of shoes? What's your best deal I can have for this a pair of shoes? See, if we're honest, we all want greatness in our lives. You know, growing up, we're conditioned to believe that we were made for greatness, to do great at something, to make a difference. And maybe you've never had someone actually say it to you, but the truth is you were made for greatness. You were made for greatness. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Mark chapter 9, verse 33, and we'll get into that in just a moment. I'll give you some time to find it. You know, in this passage of Scripture, we see Jesus and his disciples on a journey to the city of Capernaum. This city is found on the northern side of the Sea of Galilee, and this particular journey is mentioned in the book of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So we know that it has some real significance, right? And so Jesus and his disciples, they're on this road trip to Capernaum when an argument breaks out amongst the disciples. They start arguing about which of them is the greatest. Imagine this, the disciples, right? Those who are closest to Jesus and who would one day start the early church. They're on this journey to Capernaum and Jesus is walking a little way ahead of them. And then Matthew turns to the other disciples and he goes, you know, guys, I've been putting a lot of thought into it. And well, I think I'm the greatest one here. And then Peter, he interrupts, he goes, hey, 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 you're tripping, bro. Like, there's no way you're the greatest. Have you forgotten I walked on water? And then John, he comes in and he says, guys, you need to grow up. 
See, clearly I'm the greatest one here because I'm the one who Jesus loves. See, here are the disciples arguing about which of them is the greatest when right in front of them is Jesus, the very definition of greatness. See, this is crazy. They're too busy, worried, and concerned about comparing themselves with one another instead of focusing on the one who really matters, Jesus. Now, you might be thinking, man, those people in the Bible are dumb. Like, those disciples got nothing on me. I would never do that. But the reality is, we do exactly that. Because we all want greatness in our lives. We all have this deep desire for greatness, but often we don't want to make the journey. We want to find our our purpose in life, but we're not prepared to go through the process. And so what happens is we stop running our race and we start looking around us to find validation. You know, we, we stop running in our lane and we start comparing ourselves with those next to us to find out who is actually better. And like me and my running test, it's no longer just about finishing the race well, it's about finishing first. Because we want greatness, but we want it now. Mark chapter 9, verse 33, I hope you're all there by now, to 34. It says, after they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. You know, if Jesus asks you a question, he already knows the answer, right? Because he's God. But then I loved his response in verse 35. He says this. He he sat them down. He called the 12 disciples over to him. And he said, whoever wants to be the first must take the last place and be the servant of everyone else. Now, the reason I love this is because Jesus never condemned the disciples for wanting to be great. He never told them off and said that you should not be pursuing greatness. Why? Because the truth is we're all hardwired for greatness. We're all created for greatness, and God created us with that desire. But what has happened is the world has warped our perspective as to what greatness really looks like. You see, the world has warped our perspective, and too often we think that in order to be great, we need to be first in line. That in order to be great, we need to have the highest position or the highest platform. That in order to be great, the world will tell us we need to be popular, to have people under us, following us. You know, greatness in the eyes of the world is all about how much I have, and the more popular I am, the greater I am. You know, there was an American psychologist, his name was Maslow, and he created a hierarchy back in 1943 of our basic human needs. And at the top of his list, this hierarchy is still used around the world today, and at the top of his list, his studies showed is their need to feel like we've accomplished something. That, that, that need to feel that we have a significance, that we're fulfilling our potential and making a difference. You see, Maslow is simply saying what the Bible's been telling us for centuries, that every single human being has a desire to feel great. The Bible tells us in Matthew 10, verse 10, that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Now, the devil, he cannot create anything because only God can create. So what he does is he tries to warp and pervert for evil what God had intended for good. And that's exactly what he's done when it comes to greatness. You see, we're all created and called to greatness, but so many of us don't know the right pathway to get there. Turn to your neighbor and say that you're created for greatness. Come on, say it like you believe it. Say you're created for greatness. See, when we don't know the right path that leads to greatness, 
we can end up on the path of self-promotion, the path of selfishness or, or striving or perfection, all of which will lead to a platform that will never satisfy. See, the world will tell us that in order to be great, we need to be on this path pursuing the fame, the platform, the position, pursuing the money, the job, the lifestyle. But then Jesus comes and he says that whoever wants to be fast, first, whoever wants to be fast, whoever wants to be first must be the last among you and the servant of everyone else. He changes the direction. And can you imagine the disciples' confusion when he says this? What, to be first is to be last and to be last is to be first? Jesus, that makes no sense. You don't win a race from running backwards, right? But see, here's the thing. The disciples, they were talking about greatness from a worldly perspective. But Jesus, he was talking about greatness from an eternal perspective. See, the race that you and I are running, it doesn't end when we one day make it in the eyes of the world. When we have everything that we dreamed of having and in the eyes of the world, where we have that position. No. You and I, our race ends when we one day leave this earth and go to heaven. See, what Jesus is saying here is that the pathway to greatness is not found on how much we have, but the pathway to greatness is found in how much we serve everyone else. And when we realize this, we realize that greatness doesn't come from what I can get. It comes from what I can give. It comes from what I can give. And Jesus tells his disciples if they want to be first, they need to be last. He changes their perspective. He changes their pathway. They're no longer looking this way for greatness. They've turned around and they're looking this way for greatness. And so the first step on the pathway to greatness is to turn our focus around to be a servant. We need to take our focus from getting as much as we can from the world to giving as much as we can to those around us. You see, if you want to touch the sky, then you need to be prepared to kneel down and serve those around you. Our lives should not only be about what God can do for us, but also what he can do through us. And the truth is, friends, that if we're too big to serve, then we're too small to lead. That's one thing I really love and admire about Pastor Mike and Pastor Liz. See, if you come to church 30 minutes early, you'll find them out in the car park picking up rubbish. You'll find them straightening the chairs and doing all those little jobs. You know, that you'll find them doing that if you come early. You see, Mike and Liz, they understand that greatness doesn't come from being up here on the platform. Mike doesn't come up here on stage on a Sunday so that he can feel good and, and feel significant. No, because he understands it's not about the platform, it's about those little acts of service. You see, Mike, just like Liz and, and Bob and Maggie and, and Dan and Diane, all your leaders understand that it's not about the platform, it's about the people. It's about the people. It's not about what we can get, it's about what we can give. Luke 6, 38 says, Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount that you get. Now, we've all heard this verse being used time and time again when it comes to giving money, right? But do you know that the principle remains true in whatever you're giving? That as you begin to help more people, you will in turn begin to see more help happening in your own life. That the more time you spend serving other people, the more you'll begin to see God's divine hand at work in your own life. The principle remains true with whatever you're giving, and my life is a testament to this. I believe that had I not been serving in the church, setting up and packing down the chairs and, and helping out with the youth, 
that I'd never meet, never have met my wonderful wife, Danny. And let me tell you, God knows that would have been a depressing life for her, right? You know, I love she's not here to defend herself, but you see, it's not only that, but I can tell you time and time again, when God has, has blessed me and opened up the doors of opportunity because I chose to serve, and please hear my heart, I'm not saying this to blow my own trumpet, but just to help you understand that there is true power when it comes to serving other people. That true greatness truly does follow acts of service. You know, here at Elam City, you have an incredible dream team. Week in and week out, they serve faithfully. And, and yeah, can we just take a moment and honor the incredible dream team? They're out in the car park, even when it's raining. They're in here, they're serving, they're on the stage. You have an incredible team of servant leaders. And maybe serving for you means joining that dream team. But it can also mean serving your family, serving your friends, serving your neighbors, your colleagues. See, I love what the dictionary defines serving as. It puts it as this, to complete kind, helpful, and sometimes unexpected acts to other people, but here's the punchline, without expectation of anything in return. Without expectation of anything in return. You see, sometimes we think we're serving someone else, but the reality is we're serving ourselves. An example would be is if I said to my wife, Danny, tonight, hey, you've had a long day. Don't worry about doing the dishes. I'll do them. Yep, I know. I do it most nights. I'm a good man. But then say tomorrow comes around and I say to her, hey, I did the dishes last night, so how about you do them tonight? Who knows that's not true service, right? See, true service has no hidden agendas. It is unselfish. And we need to be willing to serve others selflessly. So number one, we need to be a servant. And number two, we need to be faithful in the small. Zechariah 4.10 says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. A whole lot of people want to reach their purpose in life, but they're not prepared to go through the process. A lot of people want to reach greatness in their life, but they're not willing to start small. They want to go straight to the platform. But you see, the truth is, the pathway to greatness, it doesn't start up here on the platform. It starts down here in the chairs. Because the way up is the way down. I'm going to slip between my two favorite friends here. The way up is the way down. You know, you don't need to wait till you have a bigger platform in order to start serving other people. Start where you are. Because the reality is that if we can't serve down here, we're never going to serve when we get our platform. If we cannot love people down here, we're never going to love them when we get up there. If we can't help people when we're in the small, we're never going to help them when we get to the big. You know, maybe you start serving and all you can do is make a meal once a week and give it to someone in need. That's awesome. Do that. And be faithful in that. Maybe you're a young person here and serving to you means helping out more around the home without being asked to do so. You know, take initiative. See what needs to be done and do it and be faithful in that. Maybe you're already serving on a team here on the dream team and, and you're out on the car park or you do the chairs or you're on the worship team. That's awesome. Do that and be faithful in that. You see, when we begin to serve others, we start to unlock our full potential. And over time, we begin to realize our purpose. And let me tell you, you just watch as God opens up the doors of opportunity for you to grow your gift, to grow in your purpose. And you just watch as he gives you the more when you're faithful with the small. See, we encounter problems 
when we try and rush through the process for the sake of progress. Maybe you want to start serving and, and you're thinking, yeah, you know what? I could be up there on stage preaching. I've got a gift for that. That's fantastic. That's awesome. But start small. Start by picking up the rubbish before the service. Start by straightening those chairs. Maybe you're already serving on a team and all that you're thinking is like, man, when are these guys going to give me a solo? Don't they know that I've got a gift? Like, why am I just stuck here in the corner? I'm, I'm called for so much more greatness. Be faithful in the small. In just the right time, God will give you your opportunity. See, the, the Bible says that God promotes, not man. And you know, I'd much rather have God build my platform up to use my gifting and my skills in because what God builds, no man can tear down, but what man builds. You see, we get into trouble when we start to try and create our own platform for us to use our gifts and to find greatness in because then we get torn down, we get hurt, and we get discouraged. And friend, that is not God's plan for your life. See, God promotes, not man. If the band can join me on stage. You know, as we come to a close, I, I want to finish with this. In Mark 9, verse 36 to 37, it's talking about Jesus, and it says, Then he put a little child among them, and says, Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me not only welcomes me, but also my Father who sent me. See, here Jesus, he's talking about being a servant to all. And I think he was very strategic in using a child in his illustration because true service looks like helping somebody who cannot help you back, who cannot give you anything in return. That's why he used a child. How many parents here would say that at the end of each day, your child or your children come up to you and say, Mom, Dad, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for making me breakfast and lunch and dinner. I want to thank you for paying for me to go to school. I want to thank you for helping me with my homework and fixing the hole in my shorts. I want to thank you for, for my bed and all my toys. In fact, here's a $20 note. Go spoil yourself. Anyone's parents do that? Uh, sorry, anyone's kids do that? No. Right, that would be an absolute miracle if that were to happen. But here's the point. Even though your kids don't always thank you, they don't acknowledge all that you do, even though they can never pay you back for all that you've done, and even when they straight up yell at you and frustrate you and embarrass you, you still serve them every day. See, what Jesus is saying here is that we should serve everybody in that way, not being selfish and not with any hidden agendas and not complaining saying, oh, I'm just stuck here in the same dumb job. When am I going to move on to that next thing I've been praying for? No, you see, if, if you're serving for the approval of man, God can never promote you. He can never promote you. The biggest enemy as well to reaching your purpose is comparison in the process. So don't compare yourself with those around you. It will rob you of your purpose. You know, just as I come to a close and and then we're going to pray, and, and Liz is going to come up. If I were to ask you who are some of the most influential and greatest leaders who ever lived, you might say people like Nelson Mandela or Martin Luther King Jr. or Mother Teresa. And what made these people great was not how much they had. It, it wasn't how popular they were. It was rather how much they gave. They all served those around them with their lives. In fact, all the greatest leaders in the Bible started off as faithful servants. Joseph started as a faithful slave before he made it to the palace. 
David started as a faithful shepherd boy before he became the king over all of Israel. Jesus, who is God, he's Lord of all, he's creator of everything. He literally went from the highest position possible to the lowest position possible, taking on human flesh to serve us, his own creation. And yet we complain about picking up rubbish. You see, the Bible even says that God will exalt the humble. Can we pray? Would you mind bowing your heads with me and closing your eyes? Lord God, we thank you that you are just such the the most greatest example of a servant leader. That when we read the Bible, when we read the gospel, we can see the life that you modeled of servant leadership. And so God, we know that it is your plan for our life that, that we would live a life of service, submitted to those around us. As you said, that if we want to live a life of greatness, we must choose to be the last among those around us and to serve them. So God, I just pray that every single one of us in this room, would you reveal in our heart how we can serve others? We thank you that we don't need to have any special gifting or, or, or theological knowledge of the Bible. We just need to be willing to start small. So God, would you reveal to everyone here today, where can they serve? Is it here on the dream team on Sundays or is it just becoming a better servant to their wife or to their husband, to their kids, to their parents? Lord, we know that something special happens when we serve others. It truly does unlock potential within us. And we know that when we're blessing others, you bless us. Your word even says that when we have loyalty and kindness to other people, we receive favor from you and favor from man. So God, I just pray that you'd be touching every heart. And God, help us to serve without any wrong motives or hidden agendas, but just to serve because we love and because you first love. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Wonderful message, beautiful message, you know, significance, it's about serving, eh, it's that that generous heart, it's that that heart to care for others, and, you know, maybe you've been sitting here this morning, and you've actually got questions about, you know, embarking on a relationship with Jesus, and uh, so we want to make that opportunity for you, you know, Jesus loves us as his created, all of us, all of us, God loves, and he sent his son to die for us a painful death on the cross um, so that we could be in a relationship with him. And uh, so I just want to pray in a minute. And, and if you want to make that step to know God, uh, then I encourage you to pray this with me. Let's close our eyes. Father, I thank you that you love me. Father, I thank you, God, that you love so much that you sent your son to die for me. And today I cross the line. Today I choose to start a relationship with you. Thank you, God, that you take my sins and you make me new. And today, Lord, I want to begin this journey. Uh, Fill me with your love, with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, 
as everyone's got their eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer uh, this morning, I would love the opportunity just to pray with you. So if you, if you did do that, maybe you could just raise your hand like this right now just to indicate to me um, if you've prayed that prayer because I would love to. I'm not going to embarrass you. That's awesome. I see that hand over there. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I just want to uh, pray for you. Awesome. I see that, that hand and that hand. That is amazing. Awesome. Let's just pray. Father, I just pray for these people that have raised their hand this morning. Father, that crossing of that line, that beginning a relationship with you. Father, I pray, God, that you would um, be with these ones as they begin this journey. Fill them with your spirit, God. Fill them with your love, Lord God, and bring blessing into their lives. Thank you that you have taken away, Lord God, their sin, Lord, and made them new in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand? We're going to sing a song together, um, and then I've got um, some important things to tell you about, so let's do that now.